0: I want Independence to be successful too, so that one day I have the opportunity in the future to go try their pizza.
1: Greetings, it's Dave Zorko with Saturday Omaha. Your connection to food, friendship, and the restaurant industry people that make it happen in Omaha and elsewhere. My guest today hails from San Jose, California, has talked with competition-winning pizza makers, taken on a journey of his own, gathering the knowledge of all things round, rectangle, flat, puffy, stretched, and panned. More than that, Idriflaxa has created something that has contributed beyond himself through his What's Good Dope podcast. He is sharing what he learns about, as he says, pizza, business, life, with the world. Like Fatterday Omaha, he is connecting with food, and there's a lot more here than just a tasty pizza. This is a fantastic conversation, so hang on to your fork and keep listening if you're hungry. You seem hungry. Good thing your table is ready with Fatterday Omaha. Fatterday Omaha. Eat this. This is Dave with Saturday Omaha, and I am here on another one of our food recognized food episodes where we talk to people in and around the restaurant industry. And in our intro, we often say that, uh, you know, we're in Omaha and elsewhere. And I'm very fortunate to be talking to someone that lives in the Elsewhere. And uh, the guest I'm going to introduce you to, I'm actually a fan of their show and we'll get into it. Uh, But without further ado, I have Idrif Laxa on from the What's Good Dough podcast. Idrif,
0: how are you doing? Dave, so happy to be here. Thank you very much. How are you?
1: I'm doing fantastic, and even better that I get to talk with you, having heard your voice over uh, numerous episodes, uh, quite often. As uh, there might be pizza dough happening in uh, my very amateur novice at the beginning of uh, learning pizza uh, stage, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's good to uh, good to interface with you via via the internets here and and get to hear your voice
0: in a conversation. I mean, it's always fun to talk to a fellow pizza person, so. Happy to be here.
1: I uh, I have to give. There, there's kind of been a a coincidence of events here too, as well. So I was actually introduced to your show uh, via uh, pun intended, I guess, a local chef here in Omaha, uh, Chef John Ray, who is the head chef at Via Farina, who's turning out some really awesome sourdough wood fired pies. Ah, that's yes. cool.
0: I love the play on words there too. Good job.
1: Thank you, thank you. So he's he's definitely been one of many, uh, we'll say, pizza enablers. Um, introduced me to to your show and kind of got me on this uh, pizza book. Uh, like I had to get a bookshelf type situation for my pizza books journey, um, but uh, also kind of a fun tie-in. And and being a newer listener to the What's Good Dough podcast, I kind of started. At the beginning, and then I started at the end, and I haven't quite made it to the middle. But there's another tie-in because it turns out episode I think 62 uh, in 2021, you actually talked to Brett Geiger of Izzy's Pizza Bus, who now hails from Omaha. So you've already met Brett,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I've tried his pizza too.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So I did. You have the Vegas iteration of his pizza that I'm guessing
0: I did. I unfortunately have not had. The honor of touching foot in (laughs) Omaha, Nebraska, but it's, it's on the list one day.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, and I, I think, uh, Brett, uh, coming up here, there's Vegas, uh, pizza expo, uh, coming up as, as we're talking here. So I believe he's going to go out there and, uh, and cook there. So that's, that's pretty neat too.
0: That's awesome. I mean, anywhere he cooks, he's going to pull a crowd because his pizza is fantastic. His story is fantastic. And I don't know anyone who doesn't like pizza, but you would just be amazed <laughs> by the setup he has. I mean, a school bus that's turned into a pizzeria. That's one of a kind.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's like food truck and, and then some and he's got the uh, the the pizza on the on the stop sign there so he can put out the stop sign arm as a pizza, which is pretty sweet. But uh, yeah, and and your home base is is it still Northern California, is that correct?
0: Yeah, San Jose, California to be specific.
1: Very cool, yeah. very cool. well uh, so just to kind of you know help folks you know that they're just hearing your voice for the first time, can you kind of talk about you know how what's good dough got started? Um, I believe you started cooking pizza around 2018 with the podcast kind of coming in 2019 but uh, better better that you tell the story how 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 did the dough start to rise as it were?
0: Mm, well, I think you've done a great job researching because those dates are spot on. A lot of people think this was a pandemic-born interest. It wasn't. Actually, in 2018, I started to play around with the idea that maybe I love pizza a little bit too much. And (laughs) I thought, I think it would be cool to, to actually own a pizzeria one day. And so I started to explore what that would look like by working at a pizzeria alongside with my full-time job and it was hard let me tell you (sighs) working 40 hours a week and another 20 hours at a pizzeria I barely had any time for my family and friends Mm. and I eventually had to let that go Mm. but the craving for pizza and doing it professionally did not go away after I quit that job. And so I was looking mm-hmm. for ways to stay, quote-unquote, in the game. I started making mm-hmm. pizza at home. And as any home pizza maker will experience, it's hard. And you yeah. plateau, and you just have to find ways to get through. And essentially, I came across this one post by Gary Vaynerchuk, He's a business person, kind of like a motivational speaker, marketer, social media guy. And he said, everyone should start a podcast. I Mm. thought, hmm, that's interesting. Why? And actually, I I love podcasts. Um, They're great. uh, They're great mediums for education, entertainment. And Gary said something along the lines of, you'll learn so much. You'll make new connections, and it'll help push you forward in the business that you want to get into if you're not already in it. And so I said, let's do it. Recorded the first episode, November of 2019, published it around February of 2020, and guess what? Did five episodes, and I quit. Oh. Yeah. Did you know that?
1: No, I know that there was a point at which I think like the theme changed or some other things happened too. So no, I did
0: not know this. <laughs> Dave, the, the theme is constantly changing. Uh, <laughs> there's this game that my wife and one of her close college friends used to play uh, just to kill time and to to bond with each other. And they would drive up to one of the hills in San Jose and they would point down somewhere in the city and say let's drive there this was before Google Maps was around or iPhones even and so they would just drive and you know explore new parts of the city listen to music and have great conversation and eventually get to the to the end result Um, my podcast journey is nothing like that I have no idea where I'm going (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea where the end is but I'm always but I am enjoying the journey and the ride Um, Mm -hmm. but you know Around February of 2020, I posted those five episodes. Nothing was happening. Big surprise. I I was like, how come nobody's listening to this? How come nobody wants to speak to me on this podcast? And so I kind of gave it up. Um, But then two months later, we were in the pandemic, the heat of it. And I was bored out of my mind. And I said, I need something to do. And so... I said, maybe we should give this podcast a chance because I really still do love pizza. I was still making pizza at the time. But maybe there is hope for this podcast. And thank goodness for the Instagram pizza community. They showed up in the pandemic, reached out to Mm -hmm. a bunch of awesome pizza makers, and they said, hey, I'll be on your show. Let's talk pizza. (sighs) From that point on, just hasn't stopped. Just chugging along, enjoying the ride, talking to new people, making new discoveries and spend a good time.
1: That's wonderful. And, and, you know, you said, you know, making connections and discoveries, and that's one of those things through this show. uh, You know, when we got our start, we we were really focused on restaurant reviews and and things like that, but the show has really morphed a lot. Um, You know, we still talk about, we love local food and local restaurants and we're trying to get those, you know, good spots out there to people. But through that, there's been great connections like, you know, John, like Brett that we we're talking about, like yourself, um, you know, that have just happened through this journey and, you know, a couple, uh, other threads there, you know, you had mentioned, you know, working at the pizzerias was really challenging and, and maybe more challenging than you ever expected it to be. Um, I don't have a background in, in the restaurant industry. That's, that's, but talking to everyone and learning, the heart, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into this has been eye-opening, uh, to say the least, and all the different nuances and complexities of things. Um, often on the show, we say, you know, connect, we like to connect with food and that both means in the, in the literal sense of, you know, eating sustenance and eating something tasty. Um, but also with people and when, I have these conversations, and and I know this has happened for you too. Um, you know, quite often it starts with food or pizza, and leads to to heart and soul and and deeper uh, things in and around all of these different pieces. And so it's it's amazing what happens through a, a conversation that starts with food, mm-hmm. and you know, even the uh, uh, the. More recent episodes I was listening to uh, as well. You had a, a two-parter about travel and how important that is, and really what kind of pushed me to uh, connect with you directly. First of all, after hearing your show, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to make this happen. But you, you had a good, I think it was an Instagram post actually about, you know, hey, if you want to collaborate, great, but let's have you know, some purpose behind it and, uh, some things along those lines. And so between that and also those recent episodes about, you know, traveling, that is something that I would like to, uh, experience food elsewhere, but also bring people to our food here in Omaha, because it's a wide, wide world and there's so many different things out there. So how, how has the show, um, your show really helped you connect with others or, or how has that blossomed in your mind?
0: couple of ways I think the first is that we live in a shallow world with short form video and direct messaging text messages right Mm -hmm. it's like quick short paragraphs give me the five-step hack give me the high-level summary but when you talk to someone for anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour and a half you find commonalities, shared secrets. Um, You go, you essentially have an opportunity to go deeper than any sort of short form video because you have that time. You're stuck in a virtual room together and you got to fill the space. You don't want to just be staring at each other. And so having that opportunity there to connect, um, there's no other choice but to connect really. (laughs) And the second is, when you talk to somebody, you go to Pizza Expo, and you see them, and it's just like, oh, I feel like I I know you already, because we've had this Mm one-hour conversation. Um, But on the opposite end of that, if I say, hey, Dave, I'm going to be in Omaha, Nebraska next month. Let's do a podcast together. Now... I feel like I have a buddy in Omaha, Nebraska that I'm visiting and maybe we get to break some bread together. Maybe we mm-hmm. go do a little pizza crawl or maybe you just feed me or I feed you, whatever the case may be. So yeah, this platform has been great for just connecting, I guess, sort of by default. That's, and, and not only that, but the people listening to the podcast, they feel like they're in the room. And they feel Mm -hmm. like they're listening alongside me or they feel like, you know, I'm asking the questions that they're thinking. And and that's that's a really cool medium of just exchanging information. I believe in the I believe in the platform so much and it's so fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. 100% and and that was kind of the uh the driving factor um you know it's kind of the basis for for this this talk as well and I love the fact that we've made a connection here and I was kind of curious you know even from starting out till till now um how are you making connections with you know people I, I guess how did that get started did you just start you know you know cold calling or, or, you know, uh, messaging on, uh, Insta or, you know, how did you, how did you decide who to talk to and, and where to go? Like, how did that
0: (laughs) happen? Remember how I told you after the first five episodes, I quit. Yeah. Part of it was, Oh, nobody's listening. Uh, I got a few downloads. Right. Um, but the other part of it was nobody wanted to talk to me and, Mm. In no means did I call every pizzeria in San Jose, but it felt like it. And I reached out to almost, to a good amount. And a lot of them just flat out said no. I had a few people Mm. who were kind, majority of them that did say yes. I had previously gone to their place of business Mm. and showed them that I was willing to take the extra effort. Um, but after those five people, it just, I just felt like I was running into a dead end. Yeah. But then as I was making pizza throughout, you know, February and April, I just was consistently showing up and actually quick quick little aside here, but I didn't even post yeah. on Instagram. It was my wife. She was the one who was doing all the Instagram stuff for me. I, I didn't want anything to do with show, with social media. Um, sure. But then around the pandemic, I was like, well, let's, let's get this podcast started again. My wife started following some pizza accounts and I kind of just was like, whoa, there's there's other people posting pizza on Instagram? This is wild. <laughs> I'm yeah. over here thinking that. It's 2020. I'm like so, so not in the loop. This, this pizza Instagram community, or even remove Instagram, this pizza family slash community has been going way, way longer than the last three years. Um, sure, but I had just sure. happened to stumble upon it. And kind of like you were saying, I was... Uh, cold calling through direct messages, saying, "Hey, I do a pizza podcast." This was a past guest of mine. It, it happened to be Lars Smith, who was pretty involved in in the world of pizza, and so that name recognition helped a bit. He's a world. Mm. He's a champion um, in pizza. He makes some amazing amazing New York style pizza, grandma style pizza, gluten free pizzas. And he's, he's well known in the pizza world. And so I was kind of saying like, hey, Lars gave me a shot for an hour. This is how the episode came out. Let's make something happen together. And and that started to resonate with folks too. And before long, people didn't need to see my past work. They just saw me showing up on Instagram with the posts Mm. and, and the thoughtful questions and and the care put into the podcast. And from then on, it kind of just started taking off.
1: I love it. I love it. And well, and when you listen to your conversations with your guests, I love the genuineness, if that's a word um, of your questions and your, your interactions. And i think that the the people that you talk to uh, reciprocate with their genuineness and interest and and that makes a conversation I think you said you know when somebody's listening they're listening right along with you it becomes very real like you're sitting at a table and you've all got a pizza there and a beverage or something and they're the you know third person they're listening to that that dialogue and I, I love that about your show
0: I think there are just a lot of nice people in pizza mm. nice and giving and i've just been lucky to not have come into very many people who are kind of mean right <laughs> and they just come onto the show and they're willing to give so much they talk yeah. about their finances their troubles sometimes i get done with a the recording and they're like wow it was just really nice to open up and i'm like thank you because when you allow yourself to share your secrets and pour out what's in your mind and in your heart, it makes for a great show and people love the mm-hmm. juicy tidbits that they're not going to see on social media.
1: Yeah. yeah. My take. But, no, that's very true. And I, you know, whether it's, you know, how to, you know, so many folks, you know, how to manage a business, um, you know, one of your more recent episodes. And I, I, I like getting into that aspect on this show as well, when we're talking to business owners, because it's, not you know, as far as those restaurants go, it's not a hundred percent just making a pizza or making macaroni and cheese, or whatever it is. You know that business side, managing people is challenging. Uh, you know, dealing with uh, customers that uh, may give you feedback you don't enjoy, um, and how to handle that, how to delegate and let go. Um, can be a challenging thing. And and I think not only in pizza and the restaurant business, but, uh, in any, any type of business, um, that is a, a challenge and hearing people that have been through those efforts and hearing how maybe they've solved those things or maybe how they haven't, maybe how the just challenges and, you know, you hear that and you're like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm having that problem too. Thank you for, you know, (laughs) being a buddy with me in that space.
0: Yeah, so the the tagline is pizza business in life, and kind of what mm. you were saying earlier. We start talking about pizza. Sometimes we don't truthfully, but mo- pizza is what brings us together. We have a mm-hmm. shared love for pizza. We will geek out on pizza, but pizza makers are more than just pizza makers, mm. right? We talk to people who have loads and loads of life experience i mean if you talk to john arena and this guy has seen it all right in pizza you talk to tony gemignani this guy's traveled the world and has seen it all when it comes to pizza and so there are pizza business and life lessons coming from these individuals who jump on my show and just have so much to share with like-minded folks and so if you love pizza if you're thinking about getting into the business, if you just want to deepen your relationship with the people in the pizza community, that's really who the show's for.
1: That's wonderful. And, you know, you, something, you know, myself being much newer to, we'll, we'll call it the pizza community than than you are. This has been a pretty recent, I mean, I've loved pizza since forever. I mean, who doesn't? But right. as far as really digging into the nitty gritty of, of the community and really trying to learn the ins and outs is, is newer for me. And you mentioned the the pizza community being very supportive and helpful. And wow, I, I have experienced that a lot, even in the microcosm, that is is Omaha. Uh, I was just interviewing, uh, talking with David Lasoli of uh, Virtuoso Pizza. Um, he's helped with a couple of their folks. I think Brett uh, from Izzy's is a member of the Metro Omaha Pizza Alliance, and they're you know getting together and and supporting each other. And uh, you know David uh, said you know he's got his pizzeria in, uh, on Maple Street in the Benson area of Omaha, and he says if you want to open up a pizzeria next to me, go ahead. That's fine. Let's let's make pizza next to each other. There's enough room in the pizza universe for everybody, and that support has been amazing. Um, whether that is, you know, like I said, John Ray's been my uh, cookbook enabler. I was like, hey, I you know, I I got this book or that. He goes, he sent me a a text with. He goes, here's my library. What do you want to borrow? You know, or yes. you talk to. Uh, Brett um, on Izzy's, and you'll say, you know, I'd be interested to know more about how you make your pizza. You know, what, how do you, you know, ferment your dough? When do you ball your dough? Do you ball your dough? What are you doing? He's like, I'm an open book. Talk to me. Let let's go there. It's not a secretive society. It's this, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. And um, you know, again, our show being a little more Omaha focused, but wanting to connect and branch out. You know, pizza's been been neat for that and I definitely hear that through your conversations and your guests that you know people are an open book and they're willing to share
0: I reached out to David after listening to your show with him and I reached out via Instagram and I knew his wife was running it and I said please Uh tell David I'm impressed and I'm inspired by the work that he's doing listen to you on Dave's show and I just want to give you claps Because I I was truly impressed. I was impressed by the level that he is executing at Mm -hmm. based on how he described his kitchen, the cleanliness of it, based on his standards and how he doesn't just let anyone in his kitchen, based on the business savvy that he had for opening a slice shop and getting rid of a personal style pizza, and then starting up the Pizza Alliance, which I mm-hmm. think is just a, a great idea for every city and state. Las Vegas is doing it, and I don't know of many others, but mm-hmm. I am supportive of the notion that a rising tide lifts all boats. And so for people to take a leadership position in starting that, just to mm-hmm. make sure that independent operators are doing well, amazing. Amazing. And part of the reason why I do this podcast too, one day I do want to open up my own pizzeria, so part of it is selfish. But I also want to share this information because I want independents to be successful too so that one day I have the opportunity in the future to go try their pizza and that Mm. they're still alive and kicking and doing well and excelling. And so if I can share a bit of knowledge and information and help other people's businesses do well. Cool. And again, I'm not the one sharing it. I'm, I'm opening up the floor for way more experienced people than me to share what they're doing. And, and that's just the vibe that this pizza community has, whether it's on Instagram or podcasts or YouTube, it's all there. It's just if you prefer audio or if you prefer a more longer form content, mm-hmm. what's good to a podcast is is one way for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I think with that, that longer form, like you said, you you brought up a good point about the, uh, kind of rapid fire that tends to happen on, on social or, or text and you get the real human side of, of conversation. And I'm very fortunate and, and I, you know, that something like a, you know, video chat, like we're on right now is so accessible now, you know and being able to in this case obviously people aren't going to be able to see this on the podcast but you know i can see you i drift this is nice we're having a good human conversation and that uh, that technology bringing people together is is a super helpful uh, point as well so um, and it's interesting that uh, you know as far as your pizza journey and and mine um, i think i saw in a uh, a write up that uh, the elements of pizza was one of the first books That uh, you kind of latched onto, Mm -hmm. and it was the same for me as well. Um, I actually a coworker of mine um, uh, said, "Hey, you know, I've I've got this book, Elements of Pizza, by Ken Forkish, and you know, if if you want to borrow it, whatever, check it out." And so I ended up buying that book, and that was the one of the first things that really was written and spoke to me in a way that I was like. I can do this like I can actually make this happen um, and I can figure out and and oh, by the way, I don't need to buy a, you know, 800 pound Hobart mixer in my house to to make. So I, I can mix it by hand and actually what that's that's preferred. And I think introduced me to time as an ingredient. And I I that just blew my mind up. On multiple levels. Yes. And I I see you laughing and I'm I'm thinking maybe you had a similar experience.
0: That was it. Time as an ingredient. That was such a huge paradigm shift. I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, because when you're like cooking, at least for me, I'm usually hungry when I start (laughs) cooking.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm not waiting 24 to 48 hours to go eat my steak you know unless unless someone's try aging it i'm not gonna pretend like i have ever try aged a steak or maybe marinating i've marinated chicken before but i'll do it the night before and and usually it's good to go but when i saw that time was an ingredient in pizza i was like whoa i am not gonna go rush to this same day dough that Ken also has in the book or like Saturday morning dough, I think is what he calls it.
1: Yep. Yep. And then there's the, like I slept in too late, but I still want pizza dough.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm not rushing into that. Like the main dough is asking you to take your time with it so that Mm -hmm. it develops flavor so that it develops strength so that it has time to rise. And I was just moved by that and yes i love the book i love the simplicity i love the way ken writes he's obviously written other bread books fswi flower water, yeast i think
1: hopefully i didn't Mm -hmm. butcher
0: that but it's a great book and i when my brother started showing any sort of interest in pizza making i gave him that one i said here take this it's it's uh it's a good read and and i would say also um Great photos, great combinations, mm-hmm. just a really good book for any person, I think, no matter your yeah. skill level.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's such a great place to start and helped me to start asking some more intelligent questions, I guess, or I, I don't know, maybe more informed questions, you know, just based upon those and, and learning the ins and the outs. And then I started struggling with things like, okay, well, I'm going to do this really high hydration dough, but I just end up with a big sloppy mess or the whole thing stuck to my hand. Or how do I even deal with that? And then going down those rabbit holes. um, But uh, boy, I'll tell you the, uh, you know, getting a dough that comes out where, you know, it's been, it's been fermented, aged well, and you, you pick up your dough ball and it just, feels right, um, is quite an experience that, that it's like, oh, this is something different than, than when it started. Uh, and so that's been a neat area of growth, I think too, is kind of getting the feel for those type of things. 100%.
0: How, how, how
1: about from, from your perspective? So you, you know, starting to making pizza in 2018, as you've progressed and as you've gone through all of these episodes and and talked to so many folks and and certainly there's the the business and life aspect as you you know you may be opening a pizzeria at some point and and i bet a lot of those business and life things apply to your your show as well because you have to balance family making pizza the show which is it can be a challenge um but where where is idris pizza now where where's your dough ethos what are you what are you doing now as we talk in
0: 2023 what's what's happening i'm still changing it up and i'm not proud to say that there was a conversation that i had with john arena i reference him a lot because so wise and i'm so foolish for not listening but (sighs) he left me with this one quote that I'll never forget. And that is, and and, and this is an older quote, um, but the hunter that catches two rabbits, that hunts for two rabbits catches none or neither. And for me, I felt like that was a valid quote. Essentially, Mm -hmm. if I'm trying to practice this style and that style with this flower and that flower... I'm never going to be the master of one style. Mm. But I also have to understand that I don't always just crave Neapolitan style. I don't always just crave New York style. I don't always just crave Detroit style. And so while I am still jumping from style to style and flower to flower, I also do try to make sure that I'm fully present and aware Mm. when I'm making dough and by that I mean I don't rush my dough process anymore I make sure that I get in the zone I don't have anything on in my ears contrary to what a lot of my listeners say (laughs) they tell me oh I'm listening to your podcast while I make dough and you're not the first person to tell me that and I just I've even said to someone have you tried just being present because mm. it, it it teaches you something else, and that may be boring mm. for some folks. It may not be possible for some folks, but for me, I do like it because it helps me remember the, my process. It helps mm. me see nuances in it, and just overall, it's it's constant experimentation, and and most importantly, it's just a lot of fun. You know, you have mm. to have fun with the process. If you beat yourself up too much, which I've done in the past. Because I had instant dry yeast that didn't work, or went through a season change and forgot that it went from cold to hot, and my dough was mm-hmm. overproofing. Um, it hurts, takes the fun out of it. Your pizza doesn't taste as good, <laughs> mm. and so really, it's just about enjoying that that process, being there, going through the ups and the downs, and 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 doing your best to learn and apply all of those. Um, every lesson learn from those lessons that you've experienced or made into your next batch of dough.
1: Absolutely. And That's I, I think that all, all of those nuances that you described there, uh, if I guess if pizza can be a metaphor for life or, or any craft, um, I, I think all of the things that you just said can apply to, to many different things, uh, being, being present, Um, you know, focusing on what you're trying to do. I think one of the biggest things that that you kind of mentioned there or alluded to um, is don't change too many variables either, because you may not know what affected the outcome. And I think that's applicable to just about anything if you there's in uh, lean manufacturing uh, there's a a philosophy or a practice called a a kaizen and it's a continuous improvement um, you know moment and you get the people that are closest to the work and and get their input and then you decide on one thing to change Mm -hmm. so you're not changing 87 things because you you, then you don't know what happened Um, and, and that has been something that in my Reading and rush to after that first Ken Forkish dough, you know, going, oh, I want to cook a different style. What is a, you know, what is a, how does a Chicago happen? How does a, a Detroit happen? Um, you know, I, how do I do these things? How do I make a, a thin crust? Like, how, how does that occur so I get something that's thinner? How do I, you know, how... After cooking all these, and then there oh, and then there is Falco's nineteen uh, eighties Pizza Hut butter crust. That's oh gosh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> cooking all of these things, I think, was a fun exercise, and and I, I can definitely tell you that I I didn't get great at any one of them because I am moving so fast. But it was neat to experience that, and then taking the the kaleidoscope of of styles and things, and the narrowing the lens. To, okay, now, can I make a result happen or am I letting the result happen and and I don't know what's about to occur? A very different mindset shift, I think.
0: That's a great example. Yeah. Because I think Noel Broner says this a lot slow rice pizza. I've never interviewed the person, but I've seen him talk in LA. And I've seen his Instagram posts. He says, I made the best pizza in the world one day. And I didn't write it down. And so I could never make it again. And so from that point on, he would just constantly write down everything from Mm. flour temperature to water temperature to room temperature to the amounts of yeast. And it's so key. But those little minute details much like in life, are easy to skip and ignore. Mm. But if we want that consistent product, if we want to be able to say, Dave's pizza is Dave's pizza because this is how much yeast goes in it. This is what temperature the flour is. This is, you know, the time I start my dough and this is when it should end ideally based off this temperature. Like until you know all of that, And Dave's Dough may taste a little sour on this day or may taste a little yeasty on this day, depending on the season. And if you want Dave's Dough, which I I think you are in search of right now.
1: It's true.
0: Nailing all of those little bits is kind of what you need to do in order to make consistently great pizza. Mm -hmm. But, like as you were saying, letting the result come to you, you're still going to make great pizza if you're off by a couple percentages or if you're off by a couple couple temperature degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at that point, like you said, you're letting the result come to you versus knowing for a fact that this is going to be executed properly. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I I think, uh, you know, you had mentioned switching flowers and things, and I, I've done a little flower blending just a bit, but figuring that out and then figuring, you know, making sure that I can get whatever products are reliably and consistent consistently that's a that's another thing because i have to have those you know those supplies and things like that and i've had some very nice folks that have like hey try this flower or try this flower and i have and it's fun um but then the other thing is is making sure that okay let me just tweak one variable and and see what happens and it's so interesting to moving from those different flowers or different tomatoes or or you know even I was just uh, somebody had given me some flour and I I opened up the the container and it just smells completely different than a different flour and you're like it's still wheat you know (laughs) it's you know it's wheat flour but it's like whoa you can clearly tell that that there's some differences so there's all these small nuances that that I wasn't privy to, or going out and buying the pocket scale that, that weighs to the billionth of a gram and realizing that, um, 0.25 grams of yeast is going to make my batch, my little household batch of pizza dough. Whoa. That's kind of mind blowing too, that those small changes can have such a big result.
0: Right. I mean, you don't know you're using too much yeast until you throw just a little bit in there and And are amazed a few days later is like, oh, wow, that little bit of yeast is making my dough rise. I was putting like 10 times the amount in that in my last batch or the batches prior. And it's just kind of like, whoa, that's awesome. What are you, what kind of flour are you using today? Just out of curiosity.
1: Yeah, so I, I still have a wide range, so I haven't really landed on some. Uh, so the, the last uh, dough that I made, I think, was a pocelli supra or super, if I recall. Mm. Um, and a local chef had, had given me uh, some of that. Um, you know, tried a caputo, uh, the the red, the blue. Uh, I got some of the Americana. um and so uh, a couple of different ones. So I, I haven't landed on one. And a point of interest that I... Being that our show is kind of locally focused, um, I was trying to see if there was a, uh, like a whole wheat uh, flower that I could get locally and consistently and just add just a little bit to give it... Um, I, I think the phrase is terroir, the, uh, the feeling of the land here. Um, so, uh, whether I can get that consistently, there's a local butcher shop that, that had some available, but I'm not sure how often. And then of course it's like, well, how much, because with that whole wheat flour, it's spiky. It changes how much water I need to put in. Um, so I, I have not landed on one yet.
0: (laughs) I think most people don't, (laughs) I'd like to assume most people don't. I think some people they choose their flower based on what they can get, mm-hmm. price consciousness. Sure. Um, they f- got lucky, and this one performed the way they that it was supposed to, and and they just stuck with it. And I think I think most flowers can work for you. Just it's easy to know what you're looking for. And so you you talk about Dave's dough. Do you? And I know part of it is you want a certain smell. Yes. I'm wondering, like, is there a specific style? Because the cool thing about baking, when you get into all of the science behind it, um, not only is it an art, but you can literally work backwards through science mm-hmm. and figure out your flour. Now, I'm, I'm not saying by any means, can I do that? but there are people who can and can share that information. They'll teach you how to read a crumb. They'll teach you what certain flowers do with certain hydrations or certain types of yeast. And I know you're on this journey. Um, and so I'm just wondering, do you know what the end result kind of is?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I suppose, and this may be a Jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I'd like to be able to make a good like neo-neapolitan style and probably some type of good uh you know like a detroit or chicago something deeper but then also a really thin crust because you know like you said there's different times you want different types of pizza and so i i i think that's that's somewhere in there however i had a a happy accident with my last batch of dough Mm. Uh, i've been trying to make pizza once a week just to be consistent and, and, you know, trying to really be invested uh, in, in the craft. And, well, it's, it's fun. Um, and it's been fun, honestly, you know, giving away pizza crust. Who, who doesn't want a nice par-baked pizza that they can just, you know, top and cook up, right? Um, I was running very low on refrigerator space and typically in my head i you know would prepare the dough uh do a shorter bulk ferment ball the dough and then let the cold ferment happen in the fridge for a couple of days well i didn't really have room for um all the separate dough balls so i'm like i'm gonna do a really long single bulk ferment and then ball it before i cook it Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting you know things like that i i uh, slight digression, you know, I was talking to, uh, uh John Ray, uh, down at via. And I was like, well, is there a difference for you? If you, if you have the dough ball upside down when you cook it, he's like, oh yeah, instantly leopards differently, pu- you know, everything's different. So of course, in this case, the bulk fermentation. So I actually left it in kind of long. It was like five days, you know, the typically fridge. I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably go for like 72 hours or, or something along those lines. And I have my my timer. I've got my three-stage timer. And I started it when I put it in the fridge. And I went to go look at the timer. And it said four. I'm like, four? Well, the timer flipped. It went over its 99 hours and flipped over. I rolled oh. the odometer on the timer. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So this dough started with, uh, I, I made a poolish. Uh, One of the things I have decided is uh, as much as I dig a sourdough starter, I don't know if I want to maintain one daily. Now, I know you can, I still have one in the fridge and I feed it every once in a while, but if I had a pizzeria, maybe. So I've kind of leaned towards creating a biga or poolish the day before. So that's what I did with this dough and been sitting in the fridge for this insane amount of time. So it came out, I balled it. And let it warm up to to room temperature before I was going to cook it. And I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't made the investment into the home pizza oven yet. That's got to happen. So I'm using a baking steel still. Um, and so I I opened the dough up and was making uh, 250 gram dough ball. And I was like, okay, I'm just you know going to make my nice my or pizza grip as we like to say on the show sometimes. So I make that out, and it wasn't. It was extensible, but not uh, supple. Maybe the way i wanted it to be a little more extensible. So I wasn't able to stretch it quite as wide, but the, the cornichoni on this thing. So it's like, okay, it's looking good. I launched that thing in the oven and it just puffed. It just dough sprung and a half. It just went bam. It was like insane. Um, to the point where you, you, your most, uh, one of your most recent shows was talking about bagels. Like if you if you took a bagel and those dimensions of that toroid there, and pull that out to a piece, like it was that high. Wow. And I'm looking at this thing. I'm going, this is nuts. Like this is crazy. And in a in a strange uh, coincidence of, uh, I guess this being the Fatter-day Omaha show, and this you know fat crust so to speak puffs up. The yeah. type of tomatoes that I happened to use for the sauce were like Fattoria New Jersey tomatoes. <laughs> so I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> this thing came out of the oven and it was bordering on a bread bowl. It certainly had still a, a base of sauce and I, you know, could top it, but it had this huge grip. And I was like, this thing looks fun. Like it just looks fun. And I sliced it open because I, I was like, I'm just going to cut a little piece off of this. And boy, I'll tell you what, that aroma that came off of there was awesome. Mm. So I don't know if that's – I'm curious to see, you know, talking about repeat results, if I can do it again. Yeah. But it was really curious because I hadn't seen a pizza quite like that. We have a place in town called Moots. Uh-huh. Um that uh, makes one with with a pretty good outside there as well. But this was even puffier than that with just great crumb structure on the inside. It was pleasing to look at and sure tasted good and smelled good. So that was an interesting uh, happy accident, so to speak.
0: Happy accidents (laughs) are amazing. Now, the hard part is when it's a happy accident and you want it to be consistent, you know, you just... Yeah. But I I hope you get it again. And I think I'm curious to know, do you, you said it was a little bit, um, it wasn't as extensible. You said, yeah. Yeah. Do, Do you think that was, was that because it was in the fridge and you pressed it out and didn't give it a little bit of time to relax before going in the oven? Just out of curiosity.
1: Sure. Um, No, I I think I let it warm up a pretty decent amount um, and and a couple couple hours. So it was definitely room temperature. I wonder if when I opened the dough that I just made the the outside maybe a little too big and or um, so I'm not sure. I I don't know. It's just it didn't feel like it wanted to stretch as much. Now, that's a good point. I maybe could have try to open it up a little bit, let it sit and then try to give it a little more stretch. That could be, I'm also curious to see what would happen with a slightly bigger dough ball mm-hmm. trying to make the same size corner China, but, but allowing a little more real estate on the inside because I, otherwise I might end up with some type of delicious, like cheese, cheese, Bog middle that might be absolutely awesome, but uh, I think I need a little more room because I think if I was going to serve it to someone, they'd be like, "Wait a minute, I need a little more more room for my pepperoni on here." So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are people uh, out there who do uh, the canato style, Kanoto style, which is the contemporary Neapolitan pizza. Have you have you seen that on the interwebs?
1: I have not. I'm curious oh. though.
0: There are two people that have been on the show who do it and i give them all the praise and canoto um italians call it a a dinghy which is basically like a uh, one of those tubes oh. that you sit in for oh a, yeah in a pool and so okay. it kind of looks like a big old donut right and yeah the crust puffs up and yes. some people take it to ex- the extreme where the crust perimeter is 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 just bigger than than the middle but some people do it really nicely where it looks balanced but the Mm. people who do Kanoto style pizza they pride themselves in making these super big puffy crusts um but when you bite into that crust it is just like a pillow Yeah. It's crispy. It's kind of crispy on the outside because it's baked at a lower temperature compared to Neapolitan, from what I've seen, anywhere from like 650 to 7 something. Yeah. And the process is crazy. The water hydration is high. But what ends up happening is this just this beautiful looking pizza Mm. with very beautiful air pockets for the crust, very puffy, and it's it looks beautiful. So definitely check that out. I, encourage you to get into that rabbit hole of a new style of pizza (laughs) that's the way i
1: I love it and and you know the the premise for this conversation was you know connections and and obviously i i love learning and i would not have known about this maybe i inadvertently moved in that direction uh somehow and that's that's really exciting to me and that's that definitely kind of describes what happened it was one of those things where i looked at it and like what have I done in the in the most beautiful way? But like, what's what's happening here? So that's super cool. I will definitely uh, uh, go down yet another another rabbit hole there. <laughs> well, so, uh, speaking of connections, too, the the other thing that I wanted to to talk to you a little bit about is uh, so I uh, recently came back from from a trip and uh, traveled to uh, actually Maui in this case, and uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed was finding. Local restaurants. Um, nothing wrong with any chain restaurants out there, but I'm, I, you know, part of the show and just my internal like compass, I guess. I'm looking for the little places and or the medium places or the places that I'm not going to find everywhere. And so I'm I'm curious from your perspective or or your how you go about finding places when you when you are traveling or or seeking is there any method to the the idrift madness if you will
0: how much time do we have dave uh, because all, all
1: the time in the world my friend
0: <laughs> i think for your listeners just know that it's always evolving because the world is changing i used to hmm. be big on yelp and i would search most reviewed or the words diners, drive-ins, and dives Mm -hmm. on the Yelp page and see what popped up there. But over time, I found that the results were inconsistent Mm. or they just started becoming tourist hubs. Um, I still very much respect Guy Fieri, but I just don't watch his show anymore, so maybe we're not even on, like, we don't see eye to eye anymore. I don't know. Um, But today... I will do three things. I don't look at Yelp, but I do look at Google reviews because Mm. so far it's paying off. Whenever I see a, like if I search food near me Mm -hmm. on Google and I see that something pops up and there's a lot of reviews, I check it out. Oh, it's not bad. Um, I also look at Instagram. We are in a, generation of food influencers, and sometimes they know what they're talking about a lot of the times the recommendations are pretty good mm-hmm. and so I will find a few food food influencers that I relate to and that I can trust yeah. and um, if any of them just don't pull through on their end and they give a, a lousy recommendation I, I may you know skip their next one and then uh, the final thing kind of what you were talking about earlier about like finding the local gems. I just talked to people. Mm. Um, (laughs) Interestingly enough on my trip to the big Island, we had to stop over in Honolulu first because Mm. Southwest wasn't flying direct there. So we went from San Jose to Honolulu to the big Island and on our leg from Honolulu to the big Island, we sat next to a local and we asked her, hey, where should we go eat? And then she said, there's this amazing place that I always take my family to. She said, no lie, Outback Steakhouse. And (laughs) I don't doubt you have a great time at Outback Steakhouse. I love the kookaburra wings. I love the bread. um, But much like you, I want the gems, the local spots that I'm not going to be able to get anywhere else. So... Aside from that one conversation, most of the random people I talk to, whether it's just people we're passing by or other restaurant tours where I'm eating at an establishment, sometimes I'll even ask the people at the hotel. But you got to be careful with them because sometimes they may get some sort of commission or they're mm-hmm. recommending the tourist spot that they think you want to hear. But I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's all about asking the right question, like, where do you eat for lunch and some guy from half moon bay uh it's a tourist destination maybe an hour and a half away from here i asked him that he's like where do you what do you eat for lunch he goes yeah anywhere outside of two miles from here the farther oh. you can get away from like the tourist area the better and i i like that response because he's not he's telling me all the places around the area are pretty good but he's just guiding me out of like the danger zones and then when i get those recommendations you know we'll drive by or we'll walk by and if it if it looks like it's cracking inside go on in
1: that's fantastic i i've had that too i i had stopped at a gas station once and asked you know hey are there any good local spots to eat and i i think the response was something like there's a subway down the road i'm like you're not not getting not picking up what i'm throwing down here at all like let me help help me out so uh, that's that's cool and and with the the google reviews too i i think that's a a neat aspect too where locals that are proud of their local restaurants can kind of help out uh people that they like you know the restaurant industry is super tough um staffing is a challenge Uh, products can be a challenge and if you like a place, you know, going there and eating of course is, is, is probably the best way to support, but, um, you know, taking time to do those reviews and things can help lift up your, your local restaurants as well. And I, I think that's important.
0: Positive reviews, right? I think. Oh, good point. Yes. Um, I used to be a Yelp delete. And by that, I mean, I was the opposite of a Yelp elite. I was probably like a degenerate elite maybe and just using Yelp as a way to throw out my grievances out there. And and that's why I didn't apply to be the pizza ambassador. I was in a dark place back in 2012. Right. Mm. (laughs) And I just noticed a lot of negativity coming out of my mouth when it came to restaurants. Mm. I was like, why am I putting out this? Why am I putting this garbage out on Yelp? So I I eventually stopped, but those reviews, those little one liners do turn people off. Mm. And if the experience wasn't great then talk to somebody at the restaurant yes in 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 private or in confidence you know yeah. seeking a, a legitimate resolution versus just blasting bs on social media or wherever you may be on and and really affecting these independents who quite frankly some of them are just getting by yeah i've i've worked at a restaurant that was just barely getting by and and i was looking at their reviews and I'm like, gosh, we're at three point nine. Sometimes on you know, like you'll be at that borderline. If we get another review, like no one's gonna come in. They're gonna mm. see that that first impression and people are just gonna be shying away. And so they matter. Um, sometimes restaurants have an off day. That's why I tend to have a rule yeah. where I will eat at a place at least two or three times before I write it off. Yes. At least, at least. There's this pizzeria in San Jose. I've eaten there four times. Only the fourth time did I like it. And now it's one of my favorite pizzerias. Wow. I don't know if the owner has changed it up. I don't know if there was just less salt on my sauce this time around, but oh my goodness, I'm singing its praises. I'll continue to go. It's an ever evolving process. But, you know, throughout those four times where I did eat there, I just made it clear like it wasn't for me. How we describe food to others, we don't realize how much influence we have, whether we're in food or we're just talking to a friend or family. And I think Mm -hmm. the language we choose is so important. If it's not for you, make it very, very clear because food is so, so, so subjective. Yes, yes. And so, yeah, I I just want to make sure that everyone listening here, the foodies that we are, know that our voices do matter and and they do have an impact. And let's use it positively.
1: There's, there's a, uh, a chef here from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska that had a restaurant called Bread and Cup, and he has a book by the same name. And it's an amazing read for anybody, just anybody, uh, motivational. Um, but uh, one of the things that I had got the opportunity to talk to him and was talking about this, this very subject of, of feedback and, and things like that. And he says, you need to make sure you're specifying whether... Your criticism is a preference or preparation. Is the chili that you were served really spicy? Well, that's how we make chili here. It's spicy here. That's a preference. Did you receive raw chicken? That's a preparation issue. And to your point, did you bring it up with the staff there? Because the manager, the owner, the the servers typically are going to bend over backwards to make sure that you have a good meal. Because a lot of people that get into the hospitality industry, underscoring hospitality, are there to see the smile on your face and that you enjoyed your meal. And they will help you and they will typically make it right for you. I'm sure those are one-off occasions when that may not happen. But, you know, please take that time to talk to your server, talk to the manager, whatever, and and be thoughtful in expressing the problem and and uh, you know speaking like good humans should speak to other humans, um, you know if your if your chicken is raw, say hey my chicken's raw, can I can you please remake this for me? And I'm sure they will be more than happy to to do so. Um, or if it's you know if it's a preference thing, maybe maybe that particular chili don't get the chili again. You know, so um, there's there's a lot of nuance there, and words words matter a lot, um, and uh, a lot of these small restaurants you know mom and pop and brothers and sisters and families and, and whomever um, are, are this is their livelihood and to uh, really destroy someone's livelihood with with vitriol uh, on the internet or whatever can, can be very damaging and, and you know hearing from restaurant owners and, and things a lot of times they take that very personal and it's a hard life to to live in and, and be around. And especially when you put a lot of care into your product, you know, you and I were talking about, you know, that my, my pizza accident, if you will, it's like five or six days worth of, of preparation. You know, I, I think, uh, uh, David LaSole was talking about, you know, most of his dough I think is, is three days. That's a lot of time. If it, if something happens, there was a lot of care put into that before it even made it to your plate. And those, those things can have a large, large effect on people
0: for sure. I agree preparation versus preference. I'm never going to forget that. That is beautifully said. Thank you for sharing that. And just the whole, what did you say? The other example that you made, um, the whole thing about hospitality.
1: Oh yes.
0: Yes. 110% agree. Yeah. I, um, I worked at a pizzeria a second, a different one where I had a chance to run food and, because of my background of you know just making pizza for people it was like one of the highlights of my day to mm. bring people their pizza yeah. and see the smile on their face and making sure that they were taken care of and and those are the types of folks that i mean you kind of get that vibe right yeah. um like you said there may be the off chance where you go into a restaurant and They may not want to take care of you, but you can kind of read that in the restaurant that you're in. And if the people love what they're doing, they care, Mm -hmm. shoot, ask them to remake the chicken if it was a preparation issue. Because they will take care of you and they'll make sure that you leave happy and that you come back. Because it's only to their benefit. They want you to come back. Restaurants rely on recurring repeat business. Mm -hmm. And so... They want you to be satisfied, yeah. so I just wanted to say great points.
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I I agree with you as well that they you know they want you to be satisfied. And and when you know David at Virtuoso comes out and asks you how your food is doing, or uh, we uh, we actually have a, a conversation coming up. I, I kind of had a a crazy pizza order at his restaurant. I ordered a single slice of cheese and pretty much every side that he had on the menu and it's kind of an interesting dialogue, but he spotted my order and he's like, Oh, I see what you're trying to do. And you're, you're trying to, you know, and so he's like, come back here in the kitchen. Let's strategize on which one of these sides you're going to try. You know, are you going to try the pesto with the pizza first? Are you You're gonna try the hot sauce first. Let's, let's strategize on this. So you can have an interesting experience, but you know, he's got a genuine interest in that food and uh, you know, making that connection with uh, the customer is big. And then, I, you know it's that's the human the human part of it too and and going home that day and going you know what we put a smile on you know 100 faces today or, or whatever that's that's got to feel that's, awesome. that's got to feel pretty good for sure. What uh, one, one other question I wanted to ask you as as I am still just just a little fledgling bird that that is hopping but still is not flying uh in the in the pizza world. Um is are there any questions when you are interacting with a new pizza restaurant specifically, or person that is in the pizza world, that you ask them, or, or how do you present yourself so that they understand that you're truly interested in pizza? And I'll, I'll add a little uh, uh, sub-bullet there. I had uh, talked to a uh, Uh, a little uh, pizza place when I was on vacation kind of recently. And I said, hey, I'm really interested in, you know, I love making pizza and I'd be curious if you could tell me a little bit more about, you know, yours and and how you do things. And the the answer that came back was, you know, not – not as engaging as, as I thought it might be. And I'm wondering if, if there's something that indicates, you know, where's, where's your pizza membership card that you flash you're flashing like, hey, I really do make pizza, bro. I, I, I Let's talk pizza instead of like, <laughs> I'm going to reheat a tombstone.
0: <laughs> check, check out my Instagram, bro. See these 6,000 <laughs> followers? You got you to gotta open. It. No, 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 no. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm quite shy when it comes to that. But what I have found that has worked for me when I do want to get information is I just suffocate them with comments. If I truly love the pizza and I really want to know about it, mm-hmm. they're going to see this guy like looking at the undercarriage, taking a <laughs> bite of the crust, thinking about the what I, I'm consuming. And so they're already going to get a sense like, oh, this guy kind of likes pizza. Kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I will just let them, let them know, hey, I really like this. What flower are you using? And I'll, I'll throw them like some easy questions. But again, the compliments help open them up because like you're mm. flattering a person. And they're just like, oh, stop. I know my pizza's amazing. But come on, <laughs> tell me more, right? <laughs> um, and then I, I throw them a couple of soft ones. But if I really want to get down and like be like, hey, I run a podcast. If you ever want to be on, let me know. I kind of leave it open-ended. Mm. Don't want to pressure them. Sure. Um, and if they don't want to talk, I mean, there are, it feels like a million other pizza makers out there who are willing to share secrets. And so mm-hmm. I don't, I try not to take it too personally. Some gotcha. people, sometimes you just catch someone on the wrong day and time and it's like, oh, they're busy. Can't talk. All good. On the other hand, <laughs> I was so surprised. My buddy Mike Veona from Rose Sourdough, we went to go to June's Pizza in Oakland. No longer there, but, um, one of the best pizza spots that came out of the pandemic. We saw Craig Murley sweeping the grounds. I think he was just closing up. He's the owner founder. And then my buddy, Mike was like, yo, tell me about this dough. And I'm like, bro, (laughs) super bold. (laughs) And then Craig looked kind of shocked. And he was like, tell you about this dough. And I was like, oh, man, he's he's going to give us so much flack for talking in that <laughs> way. And he just started opening up. And I was like, you know, that just goes to show you just got to catch people at the right t- right time sometimes. Or some people mm. just want to talk and some people don't. And I don't know. I think Mike definitely came at it more poignant than I would. But at the same uh-huh. time, I think he meant all the respect in the world. And I think Craig saw it that way. And we had good conversation. After that, Craig joined me on the podcast, but I feel like I probably wouldn't have gotten that interview um, unless my buddy was very blunt with his question and got Craig to open up. And Craig ended up being one of my most downloaded episodes because he had an amazing story of how he opened up in the pandemic, no permits, made one of the Bay Area's most amazing pizzas, went super viral, and then got shut down. Oh, yeah so it's a crazy one it's a crazy story um but i love the guy and and i hope i hope to see him bounce back up and uh sounds like he might be so might might be getting back into pizza so we'll see only time will tell
1: i love it i love it well i i definitely want to be respectful of your time but one of the questions that sometimes we ask folks on our food recognized food series too are places where chefs and restaurant owners and in this case podcast hosts and pizza makers like to eat so if i'm coming out to san jose um and i'm looking for some good pizza or whatever and this doesn't have to be uh you know just be careful this isn't i just you know codified top five list print this tattoo it on your arm what are some places that i might go if i'm headed out to san jose
0: well as somebody taking you out to go eat i'd Always ask you first, like, what do you want to eat? And then we'll try to figure that out. Mm. Um, When it comes to pizza, you know, if you don't, if you're saying up to you, right, uh, then I would take you to the last round tavern to go get their tavern style pizza. Caleb is making some delicious sourdough Mm. tavern style pizza. and The guy's really leaning into it. He was a little bit more shy and wanted to do the New York rounds because that's what he was comfortable with. But just over time, he is just making these amazing thin crust pizzas with the cornmeal and the amazing toppings and the optimal bite ratios and the perfect bites of Mm. triangles or squares. It's so good. It's addicting, actually. Slice of homage. Um, The pizza that I told you that I didn't like for the first four times, or sorry, wasn't my preference for the first four times. (laughs) Um, I've had... A slice of theirs, maybe like four slices at the San Francisco Pizza Festival, and I was shook. And I was so shook that I had to go try it two days later at the restaurant because I was craving it so badly. The pan-style pizzas over there are coming out so plump and so fluffy Mm. and light. It's ridiculously Mm. good. Um, And that's in San Jose. I mean, if you go to the Bay Area, it spans all the way to San Francisco in the peninsula on the way to San Francisco, there's this place called the, La, um, excuse me, S- State of Mind. Uh, Lars Smith, uh, amazing pizza maker, local California ingredients, a seasonal menu, always changing it up. And of course, uh, Tony Gemignani, mm-hmm. uh, the world famous pizza maker. Some people call him the goat of pizza. He has <laughs> two restaurants up there, and gosh, you can't go wrong with any of the styles because he's actually visited the. You know, all the pizza cities out there and learned firsthand and was like, let me try to figure out how to make this pizza in San Francisco before Google, before the internet really popped up. And he was able to make this super unique, first of its kind restaurant that was really just like, I'm going to bust out all the styles of pizza in my pizza arsenal and we're going to make it happen with like seven different ovens. And it's, it's quite a sight and he is doing serious volume with serious quality. And that's the hard Mm. thing. Like a lot of people can do one quality pizza. You and me can make the best pizza of our life. And if we're just making one or two, great. But those guys, the pros, especially Tony Gimignani, sometimes making a thousand pizzas in a day or something, whatever volume, that's probably an over exaggeration, but really large numbers, but quality pizza. Um, it's amazing to see. But yeah, those are my top uh, pizza spots for anyone coming. And as a bonus for all the foodies out there. Yes. If you're in San Jose, Vietnamese food, Mexican food, and Indian food. We have nice. such a melting pot of cuisines here. And you, gosh, there are just so many places. So mm. keep that on your list, right? You got you got to have balance in your life. You can't just eat five pizza. Pe- pizzerias and then go home you gotta you gotta balance it five pizzerias and then three different cuisines that's that's balance in my book
1: I I like it if I could get a a good uh verbicelli bowl in between my my pizza there or something like that I yeah please I'm I'm good with that (laughs) well awesome before we kind of shut it down here anything else that you'd like to to get out there before we before we turn the the fader down here on our on our show
0: yeah so uh Dave has graciously said that we could use this podcast episode on my platform. And there's this one question that I like to ask all my guests.
1: Ooh, cliffhanger. I mean, that's Idrift's signature question. You'll need to subscribe to the What's Good Dough podcast so you can get all the pizza, business, life, that signature question, and my answer. Okay, let's pick it back up after that question.
0: I am so honored to have the opportunity to connect with you here and i hope we get to connect over food it doesn't have to be pizza but that would be preferred uh one of these days i love it thank you I for having it. me on
1: well idra flaxa thank you so much uh host of the what's good dough podcast uh please check out his social uh subscribe to the podcast uh whether I was going to say whether you like pizza or not, but who, who doesn't like pizza? But e- even if you're not pizza-ing and you just want to listen to some more about life and business and pizza and all those things, it, it is all there. So uh, this has been a wonderful conversation, and we will sign it off here. And as we say on our show, until we eat again, stay hungry. Bye. Our show is recorded and produced by Fatterday Omaha. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, share with someone, and leave a positive review on Google, Apple, or whatever your podcast provider. You can interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, X, Threads, TikTok, and FatterdayOmaha.com. Thanks again for listening, and stay hungry.
0: Saturday Omaha, eat
1: this.